You're listening to the Boots About Business podcast. We share stories from military veterans that have transitioned to the world of business. On the show, you'll hear conversations with business leaders, executives, and entrepreneurs that all started their careers wearing boots in the service of the U.S. Armed Forces. This podcast is equal parts about sharing great stories, helping veterans, helping businesses, and fostering a greater understanding of the value veterans can bring to business. And welcome, everybody, to episode number 21 of the Boots About Business podcast. I am your host, Frank Strong. Here with us today is Bo Higgins. Bo had a very impressive career in the Marine Corps, retired as a full bird colonel, spanning more than 20 years, took him all over the world, included stints in Intel and Recon. And today he is a senior manager of military talent acquisition for Amazon, which does a lot to attract veterans. And we're going to get into that on the show. Mr. Bo Higgins, welcome to the show, sir. Hey, thanks, Frank. Great to be here and uh, looking forward to sharing some of my stories later on today. All right. I can't wait to hear them. We always start off with uh, the uniting theme of the show. Everybody served in uniform. What caused you to join the Marines? A good story, I think. You know, my dad was a Marine, so I had that influence growing up from my father. Now, he wasn't in the service when I was actually born. He'd already left the Marines. Uh, He'd enlisted and gotten out by then. But it was something that's always in the back of my head that he had done. And he'd tell stories about how him and his friends you know, had their antics in the Marine Corps. So I think that was something that was uh, kind of planted, a seed planted in my head, you know, as a child. And then literally I was finishing up college, my last semester of college, and this is 1989 at the University of Virginia. I didn't know what I wanted to do. And I saw a Marine recruiter at our bookstore. And I'm like, you know what? I think I'm going to join the Marine Corps. And, uh, you know, the economy wasn't that great at the time in the late 90s or late, late 80s. And uh, I thought it would be something I would do for three and a half years before I came back and got my MBA. And I ended up falling in love with it. And so 25 years later, you know, retired. But uh, that was how it all kind of started. Yeah, that's crazy. It's a great story. We obviously can't cover all your entire career in the show. But what, you know, what's the cliff note version? What was the job? What jobs did you have? What did you do in the service? Yeah, so I was an intel officer, actually a signals intelligence and then kind of moved into uh, regular intelligence. You know, as an intel officer, I had the smart Marines working for me. So I had, you know, linguists, I had your counter intel folks working for you. You had the imagery folks and your topographic guys and sensor platoons. So, you know, your job as the intel officer is to make sure you're bringing in all those different feeds, if you will, or all the different reports, analyzing it and then trying to make sense of what's going on about the enemy, right? And keeping your commander informed. A job I loved and a job I got to do, you know, in real life. I mean, the beauty of intel is that it's always real life. There's always something going on that you're trying to um, figure out or keep your boss informed of. So especially when you look at what happened in Iraq and Afghanistan and being able to deploy over there, it was real world all the time. So a great job for me. Really enjoyed it. Huh. You know, and I got to get a plug in for some inner service rivalry because you said smart Marines. <laughs> <laughs> and you, you wound up going from Intel into recon and recon in the Marine Corps is kind of infamous or famed, even outside of the Marine service. Everybody knows what a recon Marine is. How did that work? Yeah, you know, I was the commanding officer of 1st Recon Battalion, so I was not a recon expert by any means. I did jump out and fall out of airplanes. I could do that, and, you know, I was pretty athletic, so it worked out pretty well for me. But, again, as as the commanding officer, you know, reconnaissance is an intelligence asset, right? It's part of your overall surveillance and reconnaissance piece, so it makes sense for someone with an intelligence background to be able to utilize you know, the skills of those Marines to be able to you know, be part of your overall intelligence surveillance reconnaissance plan. So that's the idea behind it, why a kind of an intel guy got to be in charge of a reconnaissance battalion. Yeah, that is interesting. And that does make a lot of sense. 
I don't think there are opportunities like that for Intel officers in the army. You kind of pick your path. If you're an infantry guy, you're going to be infantry, you know, commander at some point, but you can't cross over unless you did a cross-functional change. Yeah, you know, in the Marine Corps, it's a little different. So as a lieutenant, when you start off as an, an intelligence officer, you have four tracks you can go into. You can be in air intelligence. You can be in ground intelligence, which leads you into recon. You can be in signals intelligence, or you can be in counterintelligence. So there's four different tracks. And then over time, you become an intelligence generalist. But if you typically, if you start off as a ground intel officer, that's kind of the path to being at a recon battalion. If you yeah. start off as a signals intelligence officer, you lead to a radio battalion. So we kind of have tracks for those careers in the Marine Corps that give opportunities for folks. That's kind of a combination of infantry intelligence that leads you to get into the recon battalion side of the house. But yeah, pretty cool. Yeah, that does sound cool. I wanted to ask you, I noticed on your resume, you know, you retired as a Marine colonel, a full bird Marine colonel, which is a, an accomplishment in its own right. But then you went to the Air Force War College. And I wonder if you could just tell us briefly for, you know, soldiers, sailors, Marines that are listening, don't know what the War College is. Briefly, what is that? And then how did you go to the Air Force as opposed to one of the other colleges that are available at your rank? Yeah, I mean, one of the nice things about the military, and I've, I've had this conversation recently because we don't have it in the civilian sector, is that, you know, there it's a big deal for us to get professional military education or PME. And, you know, being able to go to school a full year, you know, a calendar year, so nine months and get a master's degree, it's a great break from kind of, especially when you were deploying so much in, you know, in the in 2000s. It was a nice way to kind of be a student for nine months. We have very little responsibility, some quality family time, and all the services have their own war colleges. So the Marine Corps, Navy, Army, and you know, obviously the Air Force too. And, and a few of each service goes to every school. So mostly at the Air War Colleges, it is, or the Air Force War College, Air War College, it's mostly Air Force. At the Marine War College, it's mostly Marines, but they get a sprinkling of all the other services because, again, as you leave the Air War College or leave that type of a school, you're most likely going to be commanding or part of a joint, you know, operation somewhere. So it's important for us as, as more senior leaders to understand what all the services bring to bear and how to be able to fight at that strategic level. So what better way to do it than to bring in the experts from all those branches and kind of learn from them there. So that's how it works out. And I was fortunate to be able to get selected for the Air War College. Uh, part of that was honestly part of that. The reason for that for me is that Montgomery, Alabama, where the Air War College is, is four hours from New Orleans, my hometown. So it was closest to home I was ever going to get in the Marine Corps. So that was kind of nice too. Yeah. Yeah, for sure. And some good cross-functional education opportunities while you're there. I ask everybody this question. You managed to hit all of the hotspots over your career from Bosnia and Somalia, you know, way back when to the most recent Iraq and, and Afghanistan, where, where we've had conflicts for the last couple of decades. What was your worst day in uniform? That's a great question. I mean, there's a couple of days. One in particular stands out. I had a, a lieutenant that worked for me named Travis Mannion that was killed by a sniper in Iraq when I was a commanding officer of a recon battalion. So, you know, being in command when you're the CO and when you lose one of your Marines, that's as tough as it gets. And Travis was a Naval Academy grad, is a great kid. And there's now a Travis Mannion Foundation, which is I'm very involved with in giving back. But that was a tough day. And again, there's nothing worse than, you know, losing a Marine and having to talk to the parents. And it's supposed to be a bad day, right? But those are ones you'd never forget. And then pretty rough. 
Yeah, I'll ask you for a link. We'll put a link to the foundation in the show notes um, afterwards. The inverse of that is, you know, what was your best day? There's a lot of good days in uniform. What was one that stands out for you? Yeah, I mean, again, great question as well. I think on 9-11, my unit, the 15th Marine Expeditionary Unit, was actually training in Australia on 9-11. We were wrapping up our training there. And uh, we're actually in, in the bars that night having a beer when we saw the Twin Towers get blown up. And we quickly moved out and ended up going into Afghanistan. So kind of a long way to get to that first deployment to Afghanistan back in 01. And I think that movement from ship to shore to go into Afghanistan, that day is a day that to me was just special. You were nervous, but you were excited. You felt like the whole country was behind you. You know, you really felt like you were the very forefront of, you know, U.S. forces going in to do something about those, you know, the the bombings of the Twin Towers. And I think that day, I'm just proud to be a Marine, proud to be one of the first guys in there. And that always stands out to me. It was was a long helicopter ride, uh, the longest ship to shore movement in military history. It was cold, but it was, again, just super proud to be there and representing our country as kind of the, you know, the first guys in, besides the horse soldiers that had kind of gone in a little earlier the first conventional forces into Afghanistan, that stands out to me as a, as a proud day. And you you guys, did you have to set up your own logistics? Like there was nothing there. You didn't. It was like a, a dirt. Yeah. yeah, it was a dirt airfield. And there was a building that there was a couple buildings there, a couple of structures there, but it was nothing else. So we had to fly in, you know, every ounce of water, every MR, you know, all MREs. There's nothing there besides a little bit of a shelter and a dirt airfield. So it was sparse. Yeah. Yeah, that's amazing. You've done so much over your career, and we're getting ready to transition to the business piece. But what do you think the service taught you that is applicable in your career today? Yeah, I, you know, I think what what I take away from my time in, in service is a it's if you take care of people, they'll take care of you. And again, as as a commanding officer, you can't be everywhere all the time, right? But if you take care of your people, they will do right by you. And that's something I certainly have translates well from the military side of the house over to the civilian side as well. I think the other thing that the military teaches you is, especially when you know in when you're in combat, is just the ability to operate in chaos, right? A lot of times the the you didn't have a lot of direction. You kind of had big picture commanders intent. You had to figure it out yourself, you know, pretty quickly, right? And to be yeah. successful. And I think again, especially at a place like Amazon, you know, we're moving at a speed and a scale that's so fast that you have to be able to kind of just figure it out yourself. No one's going to give you the black and white step-by-step instructions how to be successful. You kind of got to go, this is what we kind of want to do, go figure it out. I think those lessons translated well from the military into the civilian side. Yeah, that's a great answer. I love your phrase, operate in chaos. That's going to be the headline. But it's something that I've heard in doing these interviews from a number of other veterans, maybe not in that phrase, but the meaning is the same. And I think that it's well stated. We were talking earlier, we talked a little bit about your transition. I wonder if you can, for the podcast, tell us, you know, why did you leave the service and what was that transition like? Yeah. So, I mean, I did 25 years in the Marine Corps, so it was a great run. I literally had a change of command from my 06 headquarter battalion in the morning and I retired in the afternoon. And and I can't exactly tell people, but like, you know, you just kind of know when it's time. And I knew it was time. And part of that, a big part of that for me was family related. My daughter, I have, we have five kids. My oldest daughter at the time was just finishing her freshman year of high school. And I knew to stay in would have meant, you know, multiple moves. And it just, I was just ready, you know, and had been deployed a lot. It was just time. I don't know. I can't explain it. So 
made the call to retire. We had been down in Tampa, Florida for a tour at SOCOM from 9 to 12, so prior to my command time, and came back to Tampa. And uh, I knew I wanted to get out. I knew what I didn't want to do. I didn't want to go back in and be a government contractor or a GS. I wanted to make a clean break, and I wanted to do something in business. And what exactly that was, I didn't know at the time. But I knew I wanted to do it in Tampa, which helped me kind of focus my job search, if you will. And yeah, and then started just networking, calling people up, calling friends. And I think, you know, that's something that everyone needs to do more of. You know, and I think I was fortunate in that I had maintained a very good network of my high school friends, my college friends, all through my military career. And I see oftentimes my peers, you can become institutionalized in the military. You know your place in the military. I make the analogies like the Shawshank Redemption, right? You're somebody on the inside and you get your rank and your authority and your self of being is wrapped around, you know, being who you are on the inside of those walls, but you're afraid to leave those walls, you know? And for me, I enjoyed that process. I really enjoyed the transition process and just talking to people about what the possibilities were outside the walls. So you're in Tampa and you landed a job working in operations pretty quickly for Comcast. How did that happen? Uh, Custom cable for custom cable. Again, networking. A friend of mine in Tampa, you know, recommended that I talk to the owner of this, this company, Custom Cable. The company manufactured installed fiber optic cable. So again, I didn't know anything about fiber optic cable, but I knew how to lead. And I, you know, that's what they were looking for was somebody could come in there and help them with operations. And it was a great first job. So a pretty small company. Uh, I had a little over 200 people when I first got there. I got to be involved in not only the, you know, operations of producing custom built cables, but got involved in budgeting and finance and advertising and say, you know, every part of the business. So it was a great way to, you know, learn the business world in somewhat of a, you know, lower stress environment, you know, seeing now what Amazon is relatively speaking, lower stress environments. That was the jump. And it was all because of, uh, you know, networking and, you know, friends that I had that pushed me to talk to folks and kind of get your name in play. That's what it's all about. Yeah. Now, and at this point, you already had an MBA, right? You got an MBA while while you were on active duty? I did. Yeah, I got uh, my MBA from George Mason back in the mid-90s. Honestly, I was thinking about getting out of the Marine Corps kind of my at the 8-10 year mark and yeah. was getting the MBA just to kind of, you know, see where things were at at that time and ended up staying in. But that was kind of my plan at the time. So I did go back and get my MBA while I was in on active duty. Yep. Do you think that helped you in your transition? You know, I think there's some probably some basic building blocks that you get out of getting an MBA. You know, the pure like accounting or, you know, those pieces aren't that important. But I will tell you, an MBA opens doors. I mean, people see there's some jobs they want you to have an MBA. So I think there's merit to having an MBA. I don't know that it was a huge factor in me making my transition, but it is something that, I mean, people look for that on a resume to see that you've had it, to prove that you can do it. And that's part of it is that you've, you did it on your own. You did it at night. To me, that, that piece of like kind of having the grit to be able to do that, have a job and go to school. That's probably the thing that's, you know, the most beneficial to a, to an employer is to see if somebody can do that multitask like that, the vice, the actual being able to, you know, solve an accounting problem. I couldn't agree more. I got an MBA at night while holding down a full-time job and, you know, trying to do managerial economics problems at 10 at night, you know, and every, everybody else is in bed. It's, 
It was rough. Definitely worthwhile. So it's interesting to hear your perspective as a career service member transitioning. And so you got a job pretty quickly right out, networking, and then you you wound up at Amazon. How did that happen? Yeah. So at Custom Cable, we actually did the fiber optic wiring for the two big Amazon facilities here in Tampa. Everything on in the Amazon facilities runs on fiber, all the robots are all, you know, on, on fiber. So we're finishing those up and I'm like, you know what? I'm going to try to find, to sell more cable to Amazon is what my goal was. So I started looking on LinkedIn to find friends of mine that worked at Amazon to figure out how to I could sell them more cable. And that just happened to coincide with Jeff Bezos had gone to the White House in May of 2016 and made a pledge to hire 25,000 veterans and military spouses. So the Amazon team was looking to make sure they could fill that promise, and they were looking for someone to come in to lead that effort. And you know, me calling them to sell fiber optic cable coincided with them looking for someone to come in and lead their military programs. And again, networking, timing—it's so much about you know opportunities about networking and timing. It's I, you know, it's not—it's who you know is is a big part of this, not yeah. just a piece of paper. Yeah. You know? Yeah, for sure. What's the old adage? Luck is you know prior preparedness meets opportunity. Exactly. Yep. So, you know, you retired as a Fulbright colonel. And I want to ask you this question because I think a lot of veterans struggle with this. You had a big title. You had a lot of responsibility. As we were talking before, more than a thousand Marines in a, in a headquarters battalion. And now you're a senior manager at Amazon. How do you reconcile those two titles? Or, or do they even need to be reconciled? Yeah, I mean, that's a great question. And people ask me all the time, like, you know, if I'm a colonel, what level should I come in at Amazon? Or if I'm a captain, what, I mean, you know, and I don't know if there's a great answer to that question to be candid. And the other thing is, every company's a little different. You know, a vice president at this company is a director at that company, is a senior manager at a different company. So, you know, it's kind of apples and oranges a lot of times what you're trying to translate. I mean, what it comes down to is, you have to have experience in the you know sector that you're trying to move into, right? So for example, I have a lot of people that want to come into Amazon, be program managers from the military. They want to come in and be a program manager. They really haven't done any program management in their military career. Not like I think of, not like, you know, industry-like program management. Maybe you ran, you know, the program to upgrade the brakes on the Humvees. That's not the same thing as managing the full life cycle of a program, right? So yeah. Again, you, you have to have years of experience in a certain area if you want to come in at a higher level. If you want to come into operations and logistics at Amazon, you can probably come in at a higher level because, again, if you can lead people in chaos, that skill set translates over very well. But if you want to come in and be in accounting or in program management and don't have that skill set, you probably have to come in at a lower level. So it's really about trying to find the match of what you're really good at, what you've been doing, and find the appropriate job at Amazon for you to come in at a higher level. Or if you know that you want to do something, but maybe don't have that much experience in it, understanding you have to take a step back. So you, you can't focus on the title. You have to focus on the experience that you have and how it translates over to the job you're looking to get into. Yeah, that makes a lot of sense. I want to pivot a little bit and get into some of the thing, the great things that Amazon is doing for veterans. You know, what are some of the opportunities for veterans at Amazon? What What are you specifically tasked with uh, recruiting for? Yeah, so I'm, I'm not a recruiter actually. I'm a program manager here now. I was in recruiting originally, and I've, I've moved into more of a program management role. And again, my job is to build you know pipelines of talent 
for veterans to come into Amazon. So I focus on our apprenticeship programs, for example, and work with the Department of Labor to build out our apprenticeships, particularly on the technical side of the house. I focus on our internships. We work with hiring our heroes and the skill bridge program. So in your last six months of active duty, you know, the service can let you go. All the service can let you go. And you can come do an internship with any company. And Amazon's very engaged in those programs to bring folks on, to give them a shot during the last six months of active duty. But I say about Amazon is it's so big that no matter your rank, no matter your MOS, you know, or NEC or, you know, what, whatever you've done in the military, there's somewhere for you at Amazon. The hard part is just kind of figuring that out, right? And a lot of times, though, I, I, t- I will tell you, people will come to me and say, hey, here's my resume. You know, where should I work at Amazon? I'm like, I can't tell you that. I mean, I can see your resume and it says you're a truck driver. I don't know that you want to drive a truck at Amazon. You may want to do something else. So, yeah. you know, people really need to focus on what do they want to do? Spend you know a good bit of time figuring out what you want to do. And if you do that then I can get you to the right person. Again, I'm, I'm the one that's trying to build these programs to find folks you know, from hourly roles all the way up to senior managers. And we have some dedicated you know, veteran pipelines to bring those folks in. So that's my job is to build those pipelines. And then, you know, then the recruiters will go out and find the talent. Um, but again, if you want to get into one of those pipelines, you really need to spend some time figuring out what you want to do. And that's the hardest part. It really is. Once you know that, then you can start networking and focus, you know, you can build your resume that way. You can start networking with people that are, are in that job today, and that will get you the end state. But you got to do your homework first. Yeah, it makes a lot of sense. The military kind of gives you a job. Maybe you had a chance in selecting it, but in the civilian world, you really have to be self-directed. So Amazon, they're putting all this, all these efforts into veterans, you know, hiring, you know, 25,000, as you said. And certainly there's a, an element of public relations to that. But Amazon is a business and it's not doing this out of philanthropy. So why is it that Amazon is putting all this focus on veterans? Yeah, I mean, we Amazon has 14 leadership principles and they're like the Amazon Bible. Like people talk in these leadership principles every day. And some of those leadership principles are things that include like bias for action. Right? That's one of our leadership principles. We want people to have bias for action. We want people that can think big. You know, so the similar traits of what veterans have to be able to do things to have a bias for action, to think big, you know, those things are things that translate very well into Amazon's culture. So it just makes sense for us to go target people that possess what we're looking for as our critical leadership traits anyway. So it's a natural transition, I think. Again, what I say all the time is, look, if you can lead, if you can kind of do numbers a little bit, if you're pretty good with math, at least not horrible, and you're comfortable with chaos and not having a lot of direction, you can be very successful at Amazon. And again, a lot of folks in the military are used to that. They're used to leading. They're used to being in chaotic situations. And that skill set is something that is very much in demand at a place like Amazon that is just growing and moving at a scale like no other. Yeah, I have to smile because if if you can operate in chaos, then you clearly have a bias for action. That's an interesting phrase. You know, I guess we'll get to bringing this to a close, but for veterans that are on active duty, thinking about getting out of the service, thinking about a career in business, what advice would you offer them? And it's kind of the things I was talking about before, networking. I mean, everything is about networking, like TED Talk called 50 Cups of Coffee. And I mentor a lot of folks that are getting out and I tell them to watch this podcast. And basically what it says is, 
reach out to 50 people and have a cup of coffee with them to learn what they do and talk about, you know, opportunities that are out there. Because again, you know, if you want to get a job, you have to, you know, get beyond the walls of the institution that you're in. Just start talking to people and figure out what's out there and figure out what you really want to do. Like I know for years, for example, when I was going through my transition and doing this same thing, talking to my friends, I knew, for example, I had friends that worked in commercial real estate. I didn't really know. I I knew that that's what they did, but I didn't really know what it was. So I would have, I'd say, hey, can you just, what, what is this job all about? You know, what are you doing? And just doing those things to kind of figure out, okay, that's something I, I like that. I don't like that. I, you know, because you don't know. You really, you hear these job names or job titles of things outside the military, but you don't really know what they are if you start talking to people. Right. And again, just having those conversations, getting your name in play is what's going to help you find the opportunity to get a job, in my opinion. I think that networking piece is, I can't understate it. Again, resumes are resumes. They're kind of a dime a dozen. You, you can have a bad resume, but you know, a lot of resumes look the same. It's yeah. really about the networking piece and you know, getting a, kind of that leg up on the competition that someone like me is going to take your resume and get it to that hiring manager because I know you. you know? So that, that right. personal connection is, is, is critical to success, I think, post-military. Yeah, that's great advice. If there's a veteran out there that has a question, is there some place they can go to find you online? Yeah, please have them reach out to me, Bo Higgins, on LinkedIn. I'm on it every day. I'm pretty active on LinkedIn, so you find me there. We're also hosting weekly webinars solely focused for veterans. I'm on most of them. We do them every Thursday. We'll kick them off again in January, and we'll do them every Thursday. I'll share that link with you so you can post it too. Yeah, absolutely. We'll put those both in the show notes. Hey, Bo, this has been fantastic. Thank you for your service. Thank you for coming on the show and sharing your experience and also for all that you and Amazon are doing for the veteran community. Thank you for listening to the Boots About Business podcast. Please know you can subscribe to this podcast wherever you catch your podcast. And while you are there, won't you leave us a nice review? It'll help the show and in turn help other veterans. Finally, if you know someone that's a veteran in business or is an entrepreneur with a story to share, hit us up using the contact form on the show's website. That's bootsaboutbusiness.com. That's all one word, bootsaboutbusiness.com. Until next time, I am your host, Frank Strong, out here. Bootsaboutbusiness.com.